generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Let's get it. Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy too. My name is Andrew. I'm Asian. I use he, him pronouns. And my name is Bethany. I am black and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Chris. I'm white. I use he, him pronouns. We like to hear what people are telling us in a section that we like to call speak up, uh, which is, are are we going to do it this formally? I feel like I'm like, is this normal? I don't know. Do you have to use that voice? Maybe, maybe that's the problem. What my my confident white man voice? Yeah, we like Andrew's confident white man voice. My we whole do. career is based we on do. this voice. Andrew yeah. dives right into that man. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I yes. feel like all white, uh, all people of color have their white voice that they tap mm-hmm. into when necessary. Oh, and, for sure. And meanwhile, listen to me as the white daring. I don't sound anything like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you sound nearly face. as confident. I'm just saying during the during the pandemic when all telephone when all hearings when all like uh uh like court hearings are on the phone I have never felt more confident. <laughs> uh when I can just uh, be a disembodied white man voice. <laughs> I love throwing out there that my name's Bethany too. I'll be like, hi, my name is Bethany, and I am calling about, and they have no idea. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, I'll start off with this listener mail. Well, so let's do our speak up section. Um, we uh, like to hear what people are uh, thinking about from our listener mail section we, we like to call speak up. One listener says to us, hey, friends, I've really been enjoying the podcast. I wanted to reach out to Bethany specifically just based off something she's talked about in uh the most recent episode, Rest as Resistance, she mentioned something along the lines of nonprofits not really existing to eliminate the thing they say they are combating. Uh-oh. A few, a few years ago, I had to read this book for grad school, and it is an amazing read regarding that exact topic. It's called The Careless Society by John McKnight. Um, and um, he goes on to de- describe the little the book a bit or to give us a picture of the, the description of the book. Um, it's a It's a book about how nonprofits can negatively affect the communities that they are, that they exist in among other things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and he says, keep creating these great podcast episodes. So thanks for that book recommendation. The idea that nonprofits don't exist to solve the problem, but kind of feed off of the problem is an interesting idea. It's also interesting because you work, you you live in the, you work and live in the nonprofit world, Beth. (laughs) So that's like a very specific and personal criticism that you're able to throw out. Yeah, I mean, I, as <laughs> as soon as you said the listener was writing about that, I was like, oh, shit, people from my job listen to this. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Don't tell sister. <laughs> like, don't let her know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Like, I had a friend recently describe nonprofits as a new version of slave plantations. Mm. And like, instead of picking cotton instead of like there being like a product that comes from the labor of black bodies. Um, Black bodies trauma is that product now Mm -hmm. in the nonprofit world. Right. So it's not cotton, it's trauma. And we need you to be perpetually traumatized. We need you to perpetually be selling your stories to funders Mm -hmm. so that we can get more 
um, money. So the product goes from being something physical to being trauma and emotional harm. And I think that's a really good description of nonprofits as somebody that works in the nonprofit world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can say a similar thing from like, from the from the legal world, like our, our work literally exists because people's lives are jacked up. And even though like my job or the job of other people who are, um, public interest or public interest adjacent is like considered good and noble it like it it only exists because there are deeply broken systems and i think that's it's a good thing to remember that especially when you live in that because you if you don't remember that you start thinking that like you start thinking it's good work yeah and then you start thinking that it's like up to you to save people right and it becomes about you and not being Mm -hmm. in community with others exactly and I mean, going off of that subject, it, which leads us kind of into the topic that we want to talk about, like existing inside a broken system and while working within it, not letting it take over who you are. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew's here... transitions Yo. are incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. Andrew, yeah. Andrew says in so many words, welcome to the United States of America in election <laughs> season. <laughs> it's a shit show. Yeah. Um, yes. So just like Chris just said, we are in election season. We are on the cusp of, um, uh, a shit uh, show. Of, of a shit show. Uh, you guys are probably listening to this on, if you, if you listen to it right when it drops, it's Sunday, November 1st, which means that election day is November 3rd. And a lot of people might have already voted at this point. Um, so that's the, that's what we wanted to kick around. Mm-hmm. the idea of voting and different approaches to voting and how we feel about it, especially in this very strange time uh, where so many things are uncertain and voting just feels a lot more, a lot more fraught than it normally would. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, let's start off with that question. First of all, are we voting or have we voted? What do you guys, where are you guys? Yeah, I'm reluctantly voting on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, so you're voting on the actual day of. You're going to go down to the mm-hmm. polling place. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, I dropped my I dropped my ballot off um, last last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, did the whole mail in ballot and then um, dropped it off at the at the polling place that is now internet famous um, for that beautiful line dance that uh, that took place. That is Tilden Middle School, and that's mm-hmm. where I dropped oh, cool. off my ballot. Mm-hmm. All right, nice. Yeah, and I am also planning on voting the day of. I'm I'm not doing. Uh, I I didn't do any kind of mail in thing or drop in thing. I'm also like I want to make sure that my vote is counted on the day of. So I just figured I'd just do it the day of. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I understand that like there are all kinds of protections in place that that make sure that your vote is counted. But still, it feels like that's part of why this year feels so strange because it it's always arguable about whether it matters, Mm -hmm. but it really feels this year more than ever that like there are people out there that are trying to make your vote not matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Has it been in question recently that like, they're not even going to count your vote that right. Uh, I mean the, the question at this point, there's an open legal question about how much time certain States have to report the results. And there are other deeper questions about how, if there's any kind of confusion, where the electorates are going to come from and it's it it's it's definitely pretty strange i mean so bethany you you just said you're reluctantly voting let's explore that a little bit because i i feel that but why don't you tell us where you where you're at there i just have like a really 
shitty relationship with voting mm-hmm. because most of the elections that I can remember, the big elections at least, the presidents have been elected by the electoral college and not from the popular vote. So mm-hmm. for me and my life as a millennial that remembers the Bush Gore election, that remembers Obama and re- now remembers Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the big elections that I remember. Two thirds of them, my vote didn't matter. The electoral college's vote mattered. So I think I vote, and I've said this on the podcast before, I've said this to so many people, but because of that, I vote like I buy lottery tickets when it gets up to like $10 million or a billion dollars or like that. I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. I'll hit, but I don't actually believe in the system. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Chris? When you uh, dropped your ballot off, how did you, what was going through your head? Yeah, I I feel a similar ambivalence, um, maybe not for the same reasons, although like, yeah, the Electoral College, that's a, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole, that feels like a whole game on top of the one where we're, we're trying to play just casting one vote. In in the eighth chapter of um, Drew Hart's book, he talks a little bit about this. And I think what, what hit me from, from things he put together is um, it doesn't always feel like just that it well certainly doesn't feel like that checkbox is really enough you know like there's the, it's a very reductive set of boxes that doesn't really allow me to express the fullness of the things i'm i'm dreaming about and feeling like mm-hmm. like the set I'm, of boxes I'm, on the ballot yeah, you mean yeah i'm like either way i'm co-signing a president or or any of the elected officials where i'm like i'm not totally bought in but it seems that way by checking this box like i'm mm. i'm co-signing a lot of things in that checkbox that i don't necessarily believe mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I i agree with that i i am always very suspicious of anybody who is like 100 percent board on board of our electoral system i'm not going to name any names but there's this guy who's like there's a there's this guy out there who is always like who, who who always talks about organizing in the political sense and getting like voting blocks and getting people together for, to, for voting and trying to get increased voter participation. And, um, I, I just, uh, it's hard. It, I just roll my eyes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I think putting that much faith in, 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 into a system that's so deeply broken seems, um, misplaced i guess mm-hmm. also yeah. also kind of deeply uncool <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna guys guys what did you do this weekend i organized a voting block <laughs> what a lame <laughs> i mean having said that i will say that like for me at least in this election i feel more strongly about my vote than i normally do not just because of uh, be- not just because I'm uh, I'm opposing the president, but because I genuinely believe in some of the things that Joe Biden potentially says he will do, specifically when it comes to the people that I work with, disability stuff. But we can go into the nuts and bolts of that l- later in a, or in a little bit, because this relates to kind of a, a, another subject, which is these different approaches to voting that we're all talking about, right? I mean... um. Chris, you're talking about voting despite the fact that you're not 100% on board with what you you're with what you believe with what you're voting for. Yeah. Beth is talking about 
voting almost Beth, it sounds like you're just very disassociated from from your vote. You're just throwing it in for all. Yeah, for I just good vote. Yeah, yeah, and I vote so that old black people don't yell at me. <laughs> I was I was wondering if we were going to touch on that. <laughs> yeah, old black people are committed to voting. Mm-hmm. There's like such a generational divide. Um, Code Switch did a really good episode about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that was a good episode. like yeah the the relationship the difference between like black millennials and boomer millennials Mm -hmm. um, and their views of voting in the democratic party. And I wholeheartedly identified with the black millennial that was on there where it's Mm -hmm. just like, fuck this system. Like, I don't believe in it. I want to tear all of it down. Like, socialism <laughs> like let's just do it already uh-huh. um and older black folks are like we got to get a lot of old black people say stuff like um well if you don't vote you're voting for trump and i'm just like you should feel really sad that we're in a system that is like that small like we right. deserve mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. options than that um yeah, yeah. so have you had the number two why i vote Right. I mean, have you had personal interactions where you've seen that dynamic play out? Yeah, I stopped posting anything political on Facebook because old black people attacked me when I had like when I demanded that they have a more critical analysis of voting. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck you, boomer blacks. (laughs) (laughs) You guys like, why are you this committed Uh (laughs) to voting? Like, how can you not consider that like this is a bullshit system why are we just having like a two-party system like this and the democrats don't fuck with us like they're mm-hmm. as racist as the republicans they just just they put hot sauce on it to mm-hmm. make us happy right. like, but it's still <laughs> racist bullshit yeah yeah i mean it, the asian community has a kind of different problem in the sense that asians don't vote <laughs> at all Asians tend not to, t- t- tend not to, especially older Asians tend not to really have a lot of political participation just because we have been excluded as like citizens and participants in this country for so long that I think it's just become like secondhand that like we don't, that's, it's not for us. Mm. And to the extent that like some of them do, I mean, younger second generation Asians tend to tend toward uh democrats but there is is a certain amount of like republican uncles and aunties because like they're trying to assimilate into whiteness and Mm -hmm. and uh, they respect like power and that sort of thing Mm. so but like uh, by and large like the problem in the asian community is that it's hard to get asians to come out and vote Mm -hmm. Uh, i also mm I want to go back on saying, fuck you, boomer black. (laughs) It's not nice at all. I think what it is, (laughs) Uh is (laughs) older black people relate to voting in a way that I can't understand. And like, if you saw people getting sprayed down with hoses Mm -hmm. and you saw people like literally being killed to vote um, for your right to vote, you would be really committed to that. So there's like... More than it's just older black folks irritating me. Like Mm -hmm. I need to be understanding of the moment that they were in when they Mm -hmm. started voting and what voting means to them based on history. Sure. I mean, the Voting Rights Act of 19... Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just just thinking like to that end, I think that like you're 
your connection point as an activist in that community is that like you're still doing the things that 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 people had to do in order to get that right to vote. You haven't stopped. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just cuz just cuz voting isn't the end for you doesn't mean that like the tools they use to get there aren't still really important. Mhm. Sure. Yeah, and just connecting that to what we were just talking about, 1965 was the year both the Voting Rights Act came out and the Immigration and Nationalization Act. So while black people were agitating for civil rights to get the vote, that same agitation allowed Asians to become citizens in this country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can see, so that, I mean, that same generation, that's, that's the thing, like older black people, like really valuing the vote because... Uh, because they had to fight so hard to get here. Yeah. And at the same time, older Asians just happy to be in this country um, <laughs> because of the same struggle at the same time, you know? It's been really life-changing to me, the conversation that you had with your mom, mm-hmm. where she was like, yes. oh, America just needs to get back to what it was, what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Like this place of freedom for people. And like that really... Yeah, that really like solidified for me or helped me better understand like the difference between being a black person Mm. in America, a minority and the relationship with America and like a person of color that has immigrated to America and how we experience America so differently. Right. It sounds like there's something about like agitation. We we're here and and they're they're letting us be here. Like, don't rock the boat anymore. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. For like sure. for for immigrant communities, being here is such a pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's such a pleasure. And like, there's always this promise. There's this thought of a promise. Right. And for me, there is no fucking promise. Yeah. And it is not a pleasure being here. And right. I have known that and I've been taught that as to keep myself safe mm-hmm. for years yeah. um, mm-hmm. since birth. So I just have like, it is hard to really take voting seriously. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that. that's, that's the experience of a lot of second gen immigrants because they, they, because they are looking at the fact that their parents believe the dream. And then they're realizing like, oh, like I've been here a while. I was born here, but I'm still I still haven't attained whiteness because it's not right. possible because right. mm-hmm. it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And you don't uh, have the comparison that they have of the places that they came from. Right. And y'all like y'all cousins. And if you're white, <laughs> you can't have cousins. We need, we will have a further conversation on this. Oh, on man. Why it is that as soon as you cousins every episode. <laughs> <laughs> every time I think about becoming white, I'm like, no, I will not give my cousins up. I love my cousins. <laughs> oh man! Although, um, yeah. <laughs> although, like, well, 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 I mean, what are you? Are you, do you uh, what are your cousins voting for? Do they have to talk to you about that? No, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I feel like after I like wild about voting a little. I think everybody knows I fucking hate voting, mm. so they don't even talk to me about it. <laughs> okay. Well, um, they're still trying to get invited to Thanksgiving. there are thanksgiving is canceled this year (laughs) well not like canceled in the activist sense it's just in the corona sense yeah (laughs) 
Corona cancel culture yes. episode coming soon. <laughs> Arena. Well, let's talk about that both because um, <laughs> there are there are people out there, especially people in our particular faith community or associated with it, who will not be voting or don't believe in voting, who have a stronger aversion to voting than even what we've expressed. Yes. Um. So, are, are we going to say his name? By, by which I mean rally, not like George Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been t- um, to too many protests recently. Yes, yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's just let's just tell it like it is. Raleigh, our friend Raleigh. Okay. Uh, so we're talking about different approaches to the way we view mm-hmm. voting now, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, there are there are members of our community who have been very anti who have been anti-participation and anti-voting, um, which has, you know, it, it, it has roots in our faith tradition in the yeah. sense mm-hmm. that the Anabaptist and Mennonite faith tradition has always uh, stressed the idea of of not being part of or not participating in, in government systems that are, that are seen as sinful, evil, or corrupt. Um, to the, I mean, the most extreme example of this is probably the Amish community that live completely separate from uh from from the rest of the world but mm-hmm. even in our strain of of mennonites there are people that ta- that uh that would prefer not to do not to participate in that way so um our friend raleigh for instance chris you want to tell us um because you reach out to him right yeah yeah so i recently saw this post from from raleigh um who is part of our community at circle of hope and has a in his own words, has a history of non-voting. And that, that is, um, as, as he puts it, part of his um, faith tradition. It's, it's important to him as a Jesus follower. So, like, just being a Jesus follower doesn't put you in one camp for voting, which um, I think is one of the beautiful things about our faith. But his post on Facebook goes on to say that he did vote this year. Mm-hmm. And what he said is, I'm voting against Trump and not for Biden. In parentheses, Biden got the bubble filled in next to his name, but I'm framing it as an act of resistance and not support. Um, so he's like, he's in this liminal space too. He's like, he's he's voting begrudgingly, um, mm. which is um, a historical monument in in his life as um, someone who usually doesn't participate in this. And mm-hmm. I, I I will say of of Raleigh that like um, I, I don't want to frame him as someone who's inert and and is just like being obstinate about voting. Um, I mm. think that would that that would give people the wrong idea. He's he's very active in other ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is an important thing to talk about in in voting in general. Right. We I mean he's Yeah. Beth Because voting honestly feels like the least effective way to make change to yeah. me. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you gave that caution because I already was thinking like, yeah, because he does actually effective stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody's going to ask why I feel like it's the least effective way. Um, and I think I feel that way because it's just one action on one day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the person that you vote for could lose still. You know what I mean? Or win. I think, I mean. <laughs> or win. Or win and not do what they said they were yeah. going to do. Right, right. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I think my frustration with voting, 
Mm-hmm. Also, I've named several frustrations. If I could not vote, I could not vote. But I, again, I don't want the boomer blacks yelling at me, but I really fucking uh-huh. hate voting. So like I have uh-huh. way more reasons as to why I would not vote, but I still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I feel like so many people dress up their voting as if they're these like really politically charged people. Like it makes people feel like they're doing more than what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And like, you need to be invested in your community every day right, in addition yeah. to voting. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're invested in your community every day and you're advocating for voting, I'd probably side eye you a little bit less, but it's literally people that do nothing that are like going hard about voting. And I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. To that end, I think one of my reasons for for voting um, is because part of like what we're voting for isn't just president, but like there are local issues that are on the Mm -hmm. ballot as well that are super important Mm -hmm. um, that Mm -hmm. I absolutely want to lend my voice to in, um, in support of or in flagrant opposite of support for because all three of the ballot questions in Philly this year have to do with um, policing and the district attorney's office. They're really mm. important. Um, they're really important to the three of us and the and the communities that we're that we're a part of and united mm. to um, and struggling with. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, um, and I can I can relate to that just because. Um, the work I do is directly related to like what happens in Washington, like what, whatever the laws that they pass and what the president is trying to do with social security mm-hmm. directly affects the clients that I'm helping. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so like w- when I see, for instance, that Joe Biden wants to raise, increase the SSI benefit level to a hundred percent of the poverty level, like that is literally like an extra four or $500 for each of my clients that are on SSI per month. Like th- that's the difference between life and death for some people. So it's hard for me. Like when I sent when in terms of like the practical effect of mm, my vote yeah. and who is in office, like yeah. that actually affects like my life and the life of the, of, of like people that I interact with. Right, and right. like when it comes to that, it's hard for me to like see voting in the abstract. So for that reason, like I'm like, I, I want to see that happen. So because of that, like I, I I'm going to vote for Joe Biden in hopes that he can, he can, get that done among with other mm-hmm. reforms that he's going to do that will strengthen the social security program. And it's mm-hmm. not because like, I believe in Joe Biden or I even believe in social security. It's because like, I want my people not to die, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Which yeah. is like so sad that you have to just practically <laughs> say that. Like I would like the people I work with not to die. So right. like give them more money, please. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the thing about the Trump administration is that like, and none, nothing that it's doing makes sense unless you unless you think, oh, they're just trying to kill as many people as possible. <laughs> like, that's the only way you can make what they've been doing make sense in terms of like a lot a lot of stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's COVID or like disabled people or whatever. Um, and I would like for that not to happen. So you know, that's, that's where my, so I'm voting in that direction. It's also mm-hmm. just like you said, Bethany, like that's not the only way that I'm making change. And if right, that yeah. were, that would be pretty sad, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely something that's going through my head when I think about who I'm going to vote for. Yeah. Yeah. 
we want to finish up with talking about what we think Jesus has anything to do with voting. Does Jesus have anything to do with voting? I was right. waiting for yep. one of those snazzy Andrew Bridges. <laughs> yeah, Andrew does better than me. <laughs> well, I mean, having... Give us the connection, Andrew. We, we've talked about all of our kind of personal feelings about voting, but one of the things that figures into our personal feelings and, and also how we move in the world is is how God is connected to it and how our relationship with, with Jesus is connected to it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a question that people throw around a lot, which is like, how is your faith connected to your vote? Um, and I guess that's what I'm curious about. What do you guys think? So my thing, connecting my faith to voting, I look at the life of Jesus and who he advocated for and who he like really touched, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. he was in the muck with people that society had deemed the lowest of the low. So when I make any sort of political um, decision, um, any sort of political movement, I keep Jesus's life and his movement in in mind with it to make sure that mine is aligned with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't think that Jesus would be like, Biden, Biden, give us more Kamala. <laughs> right. Um, but uh-huh. I do think that I do think that Jesus would want us to move and vote in a way um, that cares about like the sick and the widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is going to influence who I vote for. Yeah. And but and, fuck Biden to the death of me. Yeah. Oh, everything but that last uh, sure sure um <laughs> he pissed me off <laughs> the thing i was the thing i was thinking about with that beth is um that jesus would jesus did ask many of his followers um to to put some skin in the game too mm-hmm. you know i think that's that's kind of where um that's kind of where I see myself and 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 Jesus with me. I I'm all for um, raising wages and income for people who are the poorest, even if like that means putting more of my income in to do it. Now, mm-hmm. I think we also need to challenge the amount of money that's already being spent on things that um, we don't need, but. Um, yeah, so so some of like voting for the Democratic Party is probably voting for like my own taxes to go up. And I just want to say like when it when it ends up being better for the greater good, I I want to be okay with that. Like I mm-hmm. I want my money to go toward things that bring everybody up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally relate to what you guys are saying in terms of letting your faith guide how you vote and where you stand on certain political issues. I can say that for me, Jesus figures into my ballot in the sense that I feel like when I'm casting my ballot, Jesus is saying, it's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's okay. Like, there's not a lot you can do, but it's okay. I, I ultimately, like, I got this. Yeah. I mean, I, when I think about Jesus and the government and I hear questions like, who would Jesus vote for? Like, that question doesn't even makes sense because what I think about is what gives me hope and what allows me to like exist in any political system or participate in a political system is the, is the fact that I know that ultimately uh, Jesus is supreme Mm 
and that no matter what fucked up thing happens, Jesus wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I can read a little passage from Revelation here. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, now we're really yeah. quoting scripture. So chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty, and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Like, that idea of, like, you think your king is the king, like, you think your lord is the lord, but there's a king of kings and a lord of lords. Mm-hmm. And that's what really matters. And at the end of the day, he will judge the nations. So, no matter how much that you think your system or your 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 whatever, your your thing matters, like, there's a thing that really matters. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Jesus who will bring justice to the nations. In the face of that, I feel like I can vote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. If you, you know keep what I mean? That in mind. Yeah. Cuz like I know what's really important. I know who's going to win in the end. And in that sense like my vote is it's okay for me to vote. Maybe it's okay not for me not to vote. I don't know. I guess you could take it that way too. Mhm. Um I don't know. I guess it's not very affirming for to like try to try to get people to go out and do stuff, but it it helps me anyway. I'm not trying to affirm voting. Mhm. I think the thing we're all advocating for is for like for people to do something like don't let your vote be the only thing you do that that defines your whole yes. um participation or non-participation with with our system yeah i mean i'll also say that like right now we're on the cusp of so much uncertainty like we were talking about doing like a two-parter where we come back to this right after the election. the election but the truth is like we don't we don't know right. if we'll know the election could results be our by episode. then <laughs> uh and if that's the case i mean yeah it could be just us sitting in that uncertainty and i mean tons of people are gearing up for what next week is for what next week is going to look like or what this week is going to look like i guess by the time that this episode comes out we're already coming off of, of a week where philadelphia is in the national news because of walter wallace jr uh a black man who was murdered in front of his mother by the police. Um, and all, like the whole city is up in arms yeah. about it justifiably. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have an election coming and we just don't know what's going to happen. I feel like this is going to be the beginning of the end of like America. Um, and we've been seeing the end of America since the eighties, but I think we're going to see rapid movement of like separation, civil um, civil di- division. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I see Tuesday being, yeah, like an irreparable chasm in mm-hmm. America, no matter who wins. Yeah. Um, you know what I, and in that context, me right. reading from revelation doesn't seem so crazy. Mm-mm. Uh, and, and I mean, again, like what gives me comfort is the idea that like, that might be true, but you know what? king of kings and lord of lords um so on on that note do we want to move into our final bit 
I don't think we have to do what we're into. Really? But no, because like it. it's a mini episode. Like it. Is it really a mini episode, though? Come on, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything that I'm into. You really? do nothing. Though. You do. Okay. All right. We can you do can... the final. Bit. All right. You could, good. You could be into your green eyeshadow for all we care. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um. All right. So we like to end our podcast by talking about whatever we're into this week. I am into buffalo wings because they're keto and delicious. I guess they are keto. Are mm-hmm. you doing keto now? I've been doing keto. Oh, right. Well, how's that working mm-hmm. out? Pretty good. I mean, I've lost 50 pounds over the last year. Nice. Man. Right on. Only these hot wings, the reason I'm like running to the bathroom, they fucked my stomach up. I'm already <laughs> like waiting. That's part of the reason why I didn't want to do mm. things that we're into because my stomach was <laughs> fucked you want me to keep this I mean, in? Uh, nobody asked you to no. put that to put that out there. <laughs> I, I don't want y'all to think that I'm on crack. Why would we? My think stomach that? is just fucked up because I'm like moving all weird. Waiting, all right. I have to. Is that why? Bathroom uh, again. Uh, That's it for me, guys. Uh, uh, I can't. Uh, <laughs> Wait, we they, uh, we have to. Stay big black little mermaid. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Go, go and come, come back. On. I'll wait. I, okay. Yeah, well, right. you do your thing. Just give me two seconds. All I'll right. put my mic on mute. Right. Oh man! I have to do it without Beth's reactions. I know, and I was going to talk about Beth. Just wait. Let's just wait. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going. Stupid hot wings. <sighs> I'll tell you what I'm not into this week: Beth's hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We decided to just All wait. All right. Um. I. I... <laughs> Why? <Yeah. laughs> All right, come on. We're right at the end. We're right at the end. We're right at the end. Beth. All right. Chris, what what do you want to do? So, so recently I had a birthday. I got um, an Audible gift card. So this is actually a tribute to both Bethany and Andrew um, because the only reason I asked for an Audible gift card is because I've I've been, I've got Beth in my head about audiobooks. (laughs) Um, And I reached out to the world on Facebook to get recommendations and someone came back to me with a recommendation that she got from Andrew. Um, and it's a book by N.K. Jemison oh, nice. called The Fifth Season, right which is the first book in a trilogy. Um, I'm a, I guess I'm about two hours away from the end of this book and it's like, it's about seven hours of, of book. It's great. Um, I won't take up any more time than that, but The Fifth Season... An audiobook nice. or regular book? Um, what I am into is a show on Cinemax called Warrior. Um, Warrior is about um, is about uh, is about Asian crime gangs in the 1880s in San Francisco Chinatown, and like the conflict they have with each other, and also the Irish, and also like San Francisco politicians that are trying to get the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act passed, but. It's an amazing show that is not only about like a, a, a really under under um, underrepresented part of American history and specifically um, like Chinese American history, but it's also got really great action. It's got a ton of like really great kung fu in it, and also it's based on a pilot that Bruce Lee wrote in like the '60s. So Bruce Lee was was uh, was the sidekick for the Green Hornet. He, he played Cato and he tried to get the networks to 
to to make a show about this subject about a guy in in in, uh, in the 1880s who travels around and does kung fu um and the networks were like mm, no we don't want an asian lead and then they took his, they took his idea and stole it and made it into a different show kung fu starring david carradine Yes. Um, and Bruce Lee was like, fuck this, I'm going back to Hong Kong. And that's when he made the movies that he was the most fam- he was most famous for. But they took that like his daughter Shannon Lee is an executive producer for this show and like it's based on his like his original concept. And it's a great it's an amazing show. So highly recommend it. It's cool. in its second season. I hope it gets another one. Uh uh Warrior on Cinemax. So Special thanks to uh Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager, and Jared Selby who does our theme song. And with that being said, make sure that you guys write into us, especially after the election, to tell us your thoughts. If you're grieving, if you're celebrating, whatever happens, we don't know yet. So write into us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com. And with that, stay black, Little Mermaid. What are you drinking there, Chris? Is that a beer? Um, this is um, Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Uh-huh. Product placement. Bethany, why don't what? Where are you going? <laughs>